Welcome to the Crosswalk Church Podcast, Phoenix, Arizona. First of all, because we know that to get to eternity means stepping through a door called death. And sometimes to think about death just seems horribly morbid. And so we, we shy away, we, we, we're afraid to kind of think about what, what's that day going to be like when we step from this world into the next, when we step from time into eternity, what is it all going to play out to be? And I think that's why this season of Lent, and especially this night, is so important. And I'm so grateful that so many of you have come out tonight on Ash Wednesday. And you know why it's called Ash Wednesday, don't you? Because of things like the ashes that were poured on the head in Old Testament times as a sign of repentance over sins. It's a time of reflection, a a time to be really open with God and honest with him and open with ourselves as well about how short we've fallen against God's perfect and holy standard. But it's also, and equally as important, The time to think about when we fall short, that's called sin. And the Bible clearly tells us that the wages of sin is death. And so what do we say when we bury someone? Dust to dust and ashes to ashes. For dust you are and to dust you will return. This is a time also, these next 46 days, to ponder our own mortality and the the discipline and punishment that God brings upon us because we have sinned against him. And to come before God, as we've said several times in the prayer, and remember his great love for us. Remember his mercy and his grace that has brought about forgiveness of sins rescue and redemption from death and the, and, and the hope of an everlasting life. And that's interestingly what the Apostle Paul talks about here tonight as we talk about going from eternity to eternity. You know, it, it doesn't have to be a dark thing. It doesn't have to be a dentist appointment moment to think about eternity. Not at all. In fact, in the Bible, it tells us that God sent his son Jesus to take the darkness out of our lives, to be a light in our lives, to bring us joy and to to shine the light of his love into even the darkest corners of our life experience. And that means also the day of our death. Take a look at what the Apostle John writes. John chapter 1, verses 9 to 13. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, To those who believed in his name, 
he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. And what's, what's the brightest light that we can cling to in our darkest moments? Exactly what John is saying here. That no matter what's going on in our lives, no matter how many financial difficulties we're going through, or health challenges we face, or, 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 or problems in our marriage, or with our children, or our parents, or at our job, or we've lost our job, whatever those dark moments might be for you. God says, I've sent a light into your life to to shine into those dark moments. And whatever fears you have about the future, right up to and including the moment of your death, I've sent a light to shine into those dark times. And, And then he does something really interesting. He says, there's nothing for you to do to have this light shine in your life. It's completely a gift. It's completely free. I just want you to know that I have sent my son to make you my child. Notice what he says there at the end. Yet to all who did receive him, verse 12, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right You have rights before God to become children of God, children born not of natural descent or of a human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. You know, often we'll say at least, well, don't I have to make some sort of decision for Christ? And what is God saying here? He's saying long ago, When God decided to send his son into this world, God made a decision for you. And that's what you need to know. Not that you have to make a decision for Christ, but that Christ has made his decision already for me to bring me into God's family, to adopt me, to make me God's child. Look at what it says in Romans 8 which we read earlier. Go, go right back up to the top of page one. You see what it says in verse 29 there? For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. What does that mean that God foreknew us? I started tonight by talking about eternity. And and do you spend some time just focusing in on eternity and thinking about it? I think most of us, if we think of eternity, we think of time as a line, right? And, and, And over here is creation. And before creation, there was an eternity. And out here, here's judgment day out here. And somewhere about where my head is, is the cross and the empty tomb, right? Often when we think about eternity, our our hearts and minds think first about this end of it. What's going to happen when this world is finished, it's time, and God destroys it and creates a new heavens and a new earth, and and I go to that place that Jesus has prepared for me. 
But you know what's interesting here? The Apostle Paul doesn't start there. He starts out here at what I might call the other eternity. The eternity that was there before time was created. Before God created this world. The eternity that God has always existed in before time was. And what does Paul say about that eternity, that eternity that was before? He says, God foreknew you from that eternity. And that word foreknew there, it's really an interesting word because it doesn't just focus on God had the facts. That word is a relational word. It's the very same word that Jesus uses when he says on judgment day to some people, I never knew you. Go away from me. And in that case, it's a very negative thing. He's saying, I never had a relationship with you. I never knew you by experience. I never accepted you or had you in my, in my life because you kept rejecting me and refusing me. Here, God speaks to believers and he says, I've always known you. And I have been waiting for this moment when I could draw you to myself. I've been waiting for centuries since before time began to to call you to be my child, to send my son to be your savior. And here's how certain I want you to be is that long, long ago, I knew you. And then notice what he says. Not only did I know you, I predestined you. That word means I made a decision about you. That you would be conformed to the likeness of my son Jesus so that you might be the firstborn among many brothers. Paul says the very same thing when he writes to the Ephesians, and I put it in your, in your crosswalk notes. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. Do you see that? He chose you before the creation of the world. And being conformed to the likeness of his son is the same thing as saying he chose you to be holy and blameless in his sight. And that word predestined there is the same one as the predestined in Romans. He made a decision about you beforehand that you would be adopted to be God's child. Now, why did God choose you? Because he is love. Because he loves you. Not because you did anything any different from anybody else or I did anything any different from anyone else. Simply because he he wanted you to be his child. And the Bible is so interesting here. Really interesting. Read through it. 
And when it answers the question, then why do some go to heaven and others not? It's, it's very, very simply answered. Those who believe, those who become God's children, all credit and all glory to God. He made that decision in eternity. And those who don't, not because God decided not to bring them in, because the Bible says God wants all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. The only people that don't enter heaven, the Bible tells us, are those who persistently dig in their heels and say, God, I don't want you in my life. Your being here tonight would be the first sign that you are at least thinking about no longer digging in your heels quite so stubbornly. The Bible tells us we're all stubborn, that we all want to walk away from God at one stage. But in the end, God's call is so powerful and so effective and his his adoption so certain from eternity that he calls us to be his children. And here Paul is saying, look, I want you to be sure through all those dark times that you face in life that from eternity... I have chosen you and started you on the path to eternal salvation. Would you write that down in number one? From eternity, God started my eternal salvation. In other words, as I said a moment ago, when we have doubts, when we wonder, am I really God's child? Paul's first recommendation is, Go to this other eternity, the one that was there before time began, and remember, God chose you back in that eternity before he even created the world, and he predestined you to be his child. Now, from there, he goes on, and it's kind of interesting what happens next. Take a look at what the passage says. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. Then it says in verse 30, notice the chain reaction. And those he predestined, he also called. And those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. What Paul is saying is, once that decree is made in eternity, once that adoption in eternity is started on this end, it starts this unbreakable chain reaction, chain of events that will lead to you being called into God's family and ultimately into this other eternity. And that's why we have the title that we have tonight. Because of God's love in this eternity... He is going to certainly move us through this chain reaction into the heavenly eternity that waits for us on the other end. Take a look at what Paul writes to the Philippians. And and what he's writing here is basically this. What God starts, he finishes. And God started your salvation over here in eternity when he said, I'm going to adopt you as my child. And now he will finish that. I thank my God every time I remember you. 
In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. He who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. And you can be confident of this, Paul says. Now, how does that happen? Paul breaks it down for us in Romans. He says it starts with God knowing you, with acceptance and approval. Once he knows you, then he makes a decision about you, and he says, you are mine. Then he says, after that, he calls you. He sends somebody to you with this. With this beautiful message that's in this book called the Bible. The message of his son, Jesus. The message that says, yes, you're a sinner. Yes, you've broken God's commandments. Yes, you deserve to be separated from God and punished with death. Yes, the wages of sin is death, but... Christ has taken all of that upon himself for you. And I'm inviting you to come and follow this son of mine, this God-man whom I've sent, Jesus. I'm inviting you to put your faith in him. And when you trust in him, when you hear my call, when you heed my call by the power of the Holy Spirit, You become an actual member of this family. Notice what he says next. Those he called, he also justified. Talk about dark times. So often, I think when we think about dark times, we think about what's going on in our lives. The things that I mentioned earlier, going through a divorce or or having a financial reversal and maybe having to declare bankruptcy or, or... or having to to move to a new place because you've lost your job and now you've got to trek halfway across the country or maybe halfway across the world, or maybe you've got health issues. We think about those outward things. But do you ever think about the spiritual battle that's constantly going on too? About the times where This guy who is called the accuser is whispering in your ear, guilty, guilty, guilty. Where where when you want to receive the forgiveness that comes from Jesus and when you want to be sure about it and when you think, well, Jonathan and the band sing it constantly as far as the east is from the west and God has forgotten all my sins, there's this guy named Satan, the accuser, bringing them back up and saying, hey, 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 don't forget what you did. Aren't you ashamed? My goodness, how can you expect ever to be called a child of God? You are not worthy. And don't even begin to think that when you get to the doorway of this eternity that a holy God would ever accept you there. So says Satan, the accuser. 
You see, that spiritual struggle is constantly going on. And not just with Satan, the world around us with its temptations that seem so sweet and so wonderful as you step into them. And then the moment you do step into them, you realize, oh, what did I get myself into here? And what seemed so sweet on the tongue turns sour in the stomach as you go on and experience the fallout from listening to Satan and from listening to the world and from going, oh, this will be great, and then realizing, no, this is sin. And along with sin comes inevitable pain. Those are the spiritual struggles that we have to constantly battle against. And that's why Paul says those whom he has called, he has justified. Because in the, in the courtroom of God's trial, you have been brought before God and Jesus, your advocate, your lawyer, has said, God, whatever charges you bring against them, put them to me. I'll take their punishment. I'll take whatever wages need to be paid. I'll pay the ransom price that's demanded, I will die so that they can be released. I will die so that you, Father, can say, not guilty, innocent in my eyes. Those whom God has called, he has justified. Each and every one of us is now in Christ just as if we had never sinned. And then finally, that final step, those he justified, he also glorified. Where does that beautiful chain reaction that starts over here finally end up for every child of God in Christ? In glory, in heaven. What God starts, he always finishes. And one day, you and I, through Christ, will enjoy that glory with Christ, the glory that he's won us. So point two, to eternity, God will finish what he started in me. What's so beautiful about Romans chapter 8, look at Romans 8.1. This is what we were just talking about. This is another way of saying he's justified you. You and I, we can say, therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Isn't it wonderful to walk through life not having to listen to voices of condemnation? There is therefore now no condemnation. And then at the very end of this chapter, chapter 8, for I'm convinced that neither death nor life Neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Not only is there no condemnation, there's never going to be any separation, he says. No condemnation. No separation from God. You know what that means for you and me? 
no worries. We can be completely confident when we think about eternity. And that's why I said from the very beginning, Jesus came into this world to shed light into all those dark places, even into death itself. Jesus was the one who said, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, even though he dies, will live again. There's no condemnation for us, no separation from God possible, no worries. So how are you going to spend the next 46 days? That's how I want to end tonight. Asking you a simple question. How, how are you going to spend these next 46 days leading up to Easter? How will you reconsecrate yourself? God calls on us to, to love him with all our heart, mind, soul, strength. How will you, as you respond to this amazing confidence-building message that from eternity to eternity, there's this beautiful chain reaction of events that started with God knowing you in this eternity and ends with him bringing you into glory in this eternity? Will you take these next 46 days each day to push aside all the things that want to crowd in and interrupt your relationship with God? Will you take these next 46 days to hone in on the sins that challenge you and beset you and keep wanting to get at you? The temptations that Satan drops at your toes. Will you take some time to fight those, to do what Paul says in Ephesians 6, to put on the full armor of God? Will you take these next 46 days to make your best effort to come closer to God? I hope you will. We're going to give you a message series that I think is going gonna, is gonna to really help you and strengthen you to do just that. We're going to focus in on that week where Jesus makes some really important, decisive events take place and he walks through every one of those decisions determined to carry out the plan of salvation and to, and to tie it all up in a nice little bow knot and to win the day for us. But here's the big thing that I hope that you'll do with the next 46 days. Not only determine to be more careful about your sins, more careful about temptation, more careful to spend a little bit of time each day in prayer and repentance. I hope you'll also spend the next 46 days being more confident. The next 46 days, really hearing God's plan for you. That you will stay confident in Christ. Not letting anything move you or shake you from this confidence that you have because of everything that he's done. From this eternity to this eternity to win salvation for you. 
I hope you'll take some time to ponder eternity, not as a dark thing, but as a bright thing, as a wonderful, joyous thing. And certainly, most importantly, as a certain and sure thing for you. You whom God foreknew. You whom God called and justified and glorified. That's what this is really all about. And in a few moments, we're going to have an imposition of ashes. We're going to give you an opportunity. You don't have to come forward and do it. But we're going to do that as a, as a, as a time for you to, uh, to present yourself to say, you know what, I'm ready to focus on this wonderful sacrifice that Jesus has made. And beyond that, his exit from the tomb on Easter Sunday three days later. And focus not only on loving God more, but especially on knowing more that God loves me. Take a look at your next steps. First of all, I want you to determine how you will mark the next 46 days until Easter as a time of repentance and renewal. Will, will you commit to taking some time to love God more and ask the Holy Spirit to help you do that? Will you take some time to commit to being more confident in what Christ has already done for you in his love? And then I want to ask you to be the voice as we talked about on Sunday. What friend or family member do you know that needs the confidence that only Jesus gives? Will you call them and invite them in the next three or four days to the kickoff, the Sunday kickoff of our decisive series this weekend? They need to hear about this confidence that Christ alone brings. And then finally, I want you to meditate on and memorize these passages because these are so important. What then shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? There's that confidence. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him, him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Let's pray. Father in heaven, what an amazing God you are. That you planned our salvation in eternity, that you carried it out through your son, Jesus Christ, that you call on us to be certain and sure of our salvation and even say, I knew you from eternity. I decided on you from eternity. I called you, I justified you, and you you in my eyes are already glorified. You're already here in heaven with me. What an amazing promise. Lord, help us not to stumble in our faith. Help us not, help us not to be those who, who dig in their heels or, or who, who fail when, when we respond to your love to repent of the sins that we've committed against you. Help us to really recognize just how much you have loved us by sending your son, Jesus, and then, in turn, to respond in love to you. Lord, we pray all these things in the name of the one who is our Savior, and his name is Jesus Christ. Amen.
Thank you for listening to the Crosswalk Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at crosswalkphoenix.com.